What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Sorry for the little delay. Also, we're technically about 48 hours behind of our normal timing, so we're getting worse and worse every single week. But I will actually take some of the blame for this week. Um, I was supposed to fly home on Sunday, actually, back here to Massachusetts. And flight ended up getting canceled because out in D.C., all of the traffic control towers and everything like that are all messed up. So I ended up actually having to drive home, and I got in late Monday night, um, which obviously wouldn't have worked with the show. And then... Tuesday, we were actually originally going live, and then with all this new stuff kind of coming to light in the PDGA and the Pro Tour and, you know, people owning courses, so many things are happening that we're like, you know what, let's go live on Wednesday, and we can actually get the professionals in to talk about it. So we have a jam-packed show. Ben over here is kind of my co-host sitting next to me tonight, yes. Evan Kearns. We also got, he is in studio out in wherever he lives. I don't really know if we tell everyone where you live, New Hampshire, I guess. Okay. If they really want to find you, they're going to find you. And then, to be honest, yeah, it's on my PDGA page. So, yeah. but yes, continue. Okay, on. good. So, to be honest, we also have our fourth and you know name partner of the show, Matt Graham. He's actually out in Illinois right now. Matt or uh, Ben, bring him up. Matt, and there he is, Matt Graham. Now we get to deal with Matt's shoddy service. <laughs> so we're gonna see how well it works out tonight. But Matt is actually on ground in Illinois for the amateur and the junior world championships going on right now. And back to back days, it has been suspended play due to the air quality. Matt, if you can hear us, I'm going to let you take it away. Tell us what the heck is going on in Illinois. I can hear you guys. It's definitely a choppy video. Can you hear me? We can hear you perfectly. This is actually going to be exactly like the Philo interview. Yeah, absolutely. It's not worth making me look clear, you know? Uh, So yeah, I'm out here in Peoria and Believe it or not, the first time in like three days, you can kind of see, well, maybe not see, the sun shining on my face, kind of, but it's through a haze. And we thought it was haze when we first got out here, but it's actually smoke Canada fires. And we didn't really think anything of it because it wasn't on anybody's radar, like no pun intended there either. Um, but when we were getting ready to start play um, yesterday, it really still wasn't on people's radar. Uh, they went out and played their rounds in the morning. And then come the afternoon when second rounds would get started for a lot of divisions and pools, they said, hey, heads up, this, you know, count of bad air quality, if it hits 201, like we got to suspend the rounds and we're all like, what's this? And ultimately, some people did not go out to play rounds. Um, Some people started their rounds. One of my sons started five holes. They blew the horn. Some people didn't even start their second round. Some people didn't even start their first round. Some people have 13 holes done. In all seriousness, it's pretty crazy. Um, to have the championships like this. And with pools and divisions, it's making it so much tougher because some pools split up, you know, as a pool would be, play one round a day and some play two. So it really makes it hard to shuffle anything. Um, I'll give you the quicker version here. Update is we pretty much every round, every round today was canceled or suspended. Mm-hmm. Uh, no play happened today. And they said they're hopeful. <laughs> We're laughing about hopeful because they've been saying that a lot lately. Yeah. Uh, They're hopeful that tomorrow everything restarts a little bit different schedule than originally planned. Um, They said they want to give everybody four rounds of competition. That's what their goal is, to get four rounds to to crown a world title. So if that happens, I think four rounds is enough to do that. I would say that three rounds would have been, like, unfortunate. If four happens, then good. Um, I wouldn't want to be in their shoes. There's a lot to talk about. You guys have any questions about... Um, like the considerations with it, I'll be glad to answer them. Well, I mean, real, real um, but that's kind of the current situation. Yeah, realistically, where are your kids at right now? Have they even recorded a full-on round yet? Have they, you know, where are they at placement-wise? Anything? Because you're dealing with it personally. You have children there that are playing. 
Yeah, so Hunter finished his first round at Eureka Permanent, same property mm -hmm. in the woods, just not out in the open. And Tanner started five holes before it was paused. So Tanner has five holes completed. He's one under par, good for him. Um, but that's it right now. Some people haven't done any. Uh, again, others have done one, some have done two. Um, you wouldn't want to be in the PDGA shoes in this one. You no. wouldn't want to be in Nate Heinel's position in this one because who in their right mind says I play in worlds and one of my contingencies is, you know, smoke from a wildfire in Canada comes down and literally lands on top of just this area. The worst air quality in the world yesterday was just up in Chicago and we we're pretty much tapping that. Mm -hmm. So there are people who are affected by that as far as medical wise. There are people um, that have had issues with that. So PDGA just adopted this rule <clears throat> after AMNATS, which was about two weeks ago. So this is a brand new rule, not knowing this would happen here, of course, and then it gets implemented. Yeah. So it's, it's one of those things where I'll paint the picture for you. There were the day of when they were canceling or suspending the rounds, there were still 50 kids out of the course. I was at playing at the playground. The parents were out. People were ordering pizzas to deliver them to the pavilions. It was a party at the course, but they wouldn't let us play. So I just wanted to put that picture out there because I want people to understand there are people who are obviously affected by this negatively med medically, mm -hmm. but you also have a lot of people who would have chosen to play. They want to play. They want yeah. to be allowed to go out there and play. In fact, right now I'm out in what would be considered very unhealthy air <laughs> with my kids and with a group of other parents right now and their kids. There's a lot of people who are like, we're not experiencing negative effects right now mm -hmm. <laughs> and we want to have fun. We're at Worlds. That doesn't mean the PDGA should just ignore their rules. I think they're important. The only considerations I would have thought of, and they, it, I'm, I'm a backseat driver here. Again, I don't want to be in their spot. I support yeah. the decision they made. Maybe something like, hey, we changed that from a rule on suspension to more of a advisement of the conditions you choose if you want to play or not. Uh, maybe, hey, advisement, we suggest you wear a mask of some sort or something along those lines. We saw it at the preserve a few years ago, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, where players were doing that. They didn't have the rule then. I get that it would be unfortunate for those who couldn't play, like choose not to play if comp competition went on. But the only scenario I would have really pushed for that is if they said, Worlds is going to have this weather for the rest of the week, we have to cancel it. That's when I would have said, if it's the rest of the week this way, people who can't play in it just have to drop out. Let everyone else who wants to do it. Yeah. But that's not the case now. We're crossing our fingers. The goal is tomorrow to start it back mm -hmm. up. It's less rounds than initially planned on, but I think four will be enough to crown a world champion. Yeah, so, I was going to say, so tomorrow puts you on yeah. Thursday, so you'd have round one on Thursday, two, three, four, on and on and on. You'd finish the tournament on Sunday, which, you know, for a major championship in the professional division, we have do, we do have a lot of those majors that are only four rounds, with Worlds being five. But realistically, I mean, all in all, what are the amateur world championships? Six or seven rounds, maybe seven or eight, depending on how many shotgun starts are going on. So I would say kind of sitting on it from the backseat here that four rounds would be plenty. You know, it's definitely different. You want the kids to go out and play as much as you can. But PDGA is obviously looking for the safety, looking out for the safety of the kids right now. And um, it's just, you yeah. know, all in all, it's just an awful situation that everyone has to deal with. It's awful. You know, think yeah, of, I, you know, I Matt, for you, like for you, what do you drive 14 hours out to <laughs> Illinois? You take two of your boys with you and <laughs> 17. Yeah, 17 hours out to 17. Illinois. Yeah. And then all the travel expenses, yeah. people are, you know, they're trying to look at it positively, but it's it's hard to spend it yeah. positive when the, the, 
so the positive was I said, hey, let's get out. We just found out a few hours ago, like today was a wash. Every This was the most painful part about this. This is a, not a knock at the PDGA, but just the reality of it is they wouldn't cancel the day because they thought there was opportunities to maybe get in around. Mm -hmm. But what that forced everybody to do was sit around in ready mode all day. Yeah. So you couldn't plan to go drive three hours west and play a course and come back that mm -hmm. evening. It was sit here. We're going to give you updates every two hours and we'll notify you if we play. And every two hours it was, no, it's not good enough. We'll notify you in two hours all day from 7 a.m. this morning. So that's a pain because you're sitting at in the hotel or you go to Bass Pro Shops or like we, we tried to make the yeah. best of it. We went bowling like things. But like you're like, we're here. The world championships we want to yeah. play. That's the only downside. It's not a knock on anybody. It's just what we're experiencing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and Matt, you're talking about people want to play, people don't want to play, bringing medical uh, into play. It, it reminds me a lot of the months and months or years and years that we dealt with COVID. There's a lot of different thoughts on yeah. it. There's a lot of hard ways to handle it. You're not going to please uh, everyone with any single decision you make. Mm -hmm. It's just it's going to be chaotic just by nature. So it is really unfortunate. I'm hoping for the best. But I, I, I will say, you I mean you mentioned bowling and going to Bass Pro? Uh, I don't have any kids of my own, but having you know watched over kids or run activities when you have a, a thunderstorm delay trying to keep them occupied for two hours can be uh, a little bit tough <laughs> yeah. trying to keep the kids occupied for going on uh, i mean close to maybe 36 hours now of suspended play uh that's got to be really tough uh obviously you see your kids you spend uh time with them yeah. your, their whole lives um but how's that going for all the families trying to come up with new things to do uh, the group Group messages are a thing out here. People are like, hey, what are you doing today? Uh, we're waiting right now. We'll, we'll get back to you. And, yeah. and so people are trying to find things to do. Um, you can only take so many naps. But people <laughs> are like, true. hey, are you going out to a course? Everyone's asking, like, which course are you going to today and all that stuff. And everyone was just kind of, like, in limbo over all this. But So you're trying to get out and do stuff. But it is kind of funny. I'll paint the picture one more time, and I'll finish with a story before I got to drop. I'm out at a course here with my kids, but my battery's running low. Mm -hmm is that one of the courses we were at where my uh the world champ tanner was at he finished five holes they did suspension we waited at the course for four hours at the course after suspension and i told you we we're out playing kids were at the, there's a playground there so let me paint this picture the pdga says everybody suspension horn blows please go to your vehicles now they can't force anybody to go in their vehicles. And that's not a big deal. I don't care about that, but they can't force it. So kids are in their vehicle first. How long can kids and their families wait in a vehicle for? Mm -hmm. So you see a kid pop out after like 15, 20 minutes, go to the playground. You see another kid get out. Next thing you know, all 40 or 50 of them are at the playground and on the swings, like there's like a merry-go-round thing, spinning, kids are throwing footballs, minis, like it was like a party, like I said. Pizzas were delivered, and this is the craziest, unfortunate part of this whole thing. There was a kid, I'll give the first name, shout out to Nolan. He was a kid on my son's card during the break. He's at the playground, he's nine years old, an incredible player, put up a fight against Tanner last year when Tanner took it down. And he's on the swings, and he says, does anybody want to see me do a backflip? Uh -oh. And uh -oh. only the kids are there. <laughs> for, They're all on awesome. the playground. Yes, all, exactly. So the kids are over there on the playground. The parents are like in the pavilion. And so the parents don't see this, but he goes, do you want to do a backflip? This is what I was told. And kids are like, yeah. So he does a backflip off of the swing. And you can only imagine how crazy epic that is at nine. 
and he does it and he lands on his throwing arm and breaks oh, it no. and fractures his wrist. So after four, five holes at the world championship, a suspension, which allowed kids to like get like out of the disc golf zone, if you will, like, hey, let's play on the playground. He breaks his wrist, his world championship's over. My heart goes out to that family. Tears were shed. He, obviously his arm's important. The kid was like, can I throw? They're like, dude, if you throw on a fracture, you can ruin your arm for life. So he's done. And um, it's crazy. So like, this is just a world that I wanted to put it this way, will not be remembered in history because it's not a pro event. So like, you won't really remember it, but those who are here, when talking history of it, maybe me in 10 years from now, be like, remember this one world where this happened. But the experience we're getting is just really unique out here. Um, we're, we're really wishing for blue skies, but it's been just really crazy out here and um, unfortunate. And I hope we really get these rounds in. Everyone will probably feel like there was um, some redemption for this if they get the round, if they get the four rounds in. So, yeah, I mean, what's the acres in the chat just saying forecast for tomorrow for the air quality index below 200. So they should be able to play. And obviously that's what we're hoping for all the kids and, you know, everyone at this uh, junior and amateur world championships and you know, for the amateurs and the kids, this is, you know, a meaningful life. I mean, Tanner last year, Matt's kid won the world championships in the junior eight division. And so these are obviously huge moments for everyone in the disc golf sport right now. It's big enough to where we're talking about it on the podcast. And so obviously we're just hoping for health and safety. I would say first and foremost for everyone, hopefully no one's got any lingering side effects after all of this, but hopefully the air quality <laughs> will go down a little bit and, you know, everyone can actually get out and play. I mean, that's realistically what that's what they're there to do. I will say they started out the uh, players meeting, which it was a packed house. There's 800 people here. Largest ever junior division showing. I think it was like, I want to say it was 375. Might have been five. I think it was three. Yeah. Uh, that's a lot of juniors in one place. And they started out by listing off names of professionals today who everyone knows as people who have won amateurs or junior titles in their time. Mm -hmm. And it's really cool for these juniors to hear that and be like, yo, all these players that are on the pro tour have like one of these titles. So like yeah. they're in that room that night we were there and we're going to hear about them in a few years. So, uh, yeah, that's my update here, guys. I'm glad to join this way. I'm looking forward to being back on the show next Monday. So not far from now. Perfect. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah, it's, uh, less than what it normally is. So Matt, we appreciate you coming on. I know you got the kids right now, go out, play around, be safe and, uh, have some fun out there. Hopefully you can actually have that the rest of the week. Dude, there's you guys don't want, well, you maybe you want my opinion eventually, but on this whole throw down the mountain thing. Um, oh, also, boy. <laughs> no, I'm sure you guys are talking about it tonight. So, like, oh, no, we only got is, Chris Todd Law coming on. You guys, well, talk there's multiple about, reasons to have Chris Clark on, but not to get off Matt. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Talk about, talk about, like, my short version take on it is like, what is the deal here? Is, and you don't have to talk about it now. Is this like an exit strategy for this guy from the sport? Is it like, he's like, dude, my business is going to sink or I'm going bankrupt or one of these things. He's like, and this unique situation happened where he gets hit by a disc. If, if no one knows what I'm talking about, they're going to talk about it later. Mm -hmm. But like, yeah. what is the deal? Because it seems like he is shooting himself in the foot. He's, he's going to be shut down. The internet's mobbing on him already. Yeah. Um, whether or not he actually has a legit case, I have to give him the benefit of the doubt, but I don't think this is the way to do it. That's kind of my take right now. So, with that guy, yeah. peace out. Hey, uh, Matt, really quick, did you leave? <laughs> no, he's here. We got it. No, okay, hey, really quick, you got a super chat from Disc Golf. Pizza money for Matt's kids. Cheers from Minnesota, gents. Uh, Ten dollars to you. So, Disc Golf, thank you so much. We'll send that over to Matt. Make sure he can get some pizza for the kids tonight. Hey, hey, Matt, we need preserved picks before you leave. No, no, no have them just. Oh boy. So, hey, no, it, no preserved picks. 
I actually gave in the chat doesn't count. In the chat last doesn't week. count. No, Nick called it out for me. Yeah, I did. If it doesn't it count, count doesn't if it count. doesn't count, then I'm, I wouldn't I'm have kidding. shaved my beard I'm had kidding. Chris Dickerson it, won. It does count, but and, I do want to hear your picks live. Hold on, hold on. Look, oh, I know I'm not fully on good video quality. Yeah. Here. I'm puffing out my beard. I'm puffing out my beard because I didn't have to, to keep shave it. it. Yeah. I I was not wrong. At first, I was a little skeptical. Like, why did I do that pick? I'm going to have to shave my beard. Chris Dickerson's doing okay. But in the end, I actually picked the winners, Gannon Burr and Kristen Tatar, which I wasn't so sure about Kristen either. That's a whole other storyline to talk about. But um, my picks for Preserve, holy cow. Uh, I got to have to look who's there. I'll do it in the chat. I'm sorry. I don't no, know. No, you're good. Do it in the chat. We'll, we'll, we'll talk to you in a bit. All right, guys. Thanks. Yep, take it easy. See ya. Right. Well, there we go. Matt Graham live from Illinois talking to us about the air quality control, everything going on down in Illinois currently for the junior and the amateur PDGA World Championships. We're at 725 Eastern Time right now. We are going to be bringing in Chris Clark, actually, from DiscGolf.Law, who just recently posted a video about the McSeese LLC, which is Dylan, uh, Dylan Cease and Paul McBeth. They had bought the course down in Florida called Throw Down the Mountain. The Canyon, I think, is one of the real names for it. Um, and they have a lawsuit going on against them right now. Also, the DGP, or excuse me, the PDGA, or let, let me rephrase this really quick. PDGA and the, Disc Golf Pro Tour. Yeah, the right? PDGA and the Disc Golf Pro Tour had obviously banned the transgender women from playing in the Silver Series, Elite Series, and Majors. Um, not, not, not Silver Series, I don't think, right? No, Silver Series as well. Yeah, eight, oh, that's, eight tiers okay, and below. Sorry, continue on. Yeah, eight tiers and below, that. they are allowed to play. Uh, Silver Series, Elite Series, and Majors, they are not currently. Out in Minnesota, though, Natalie and her team of lawyers had actually filed suit to put, I think it's called the TRO, which is a temporary restraining order, into pretty much blocking what the DGPT and the PDGA have said. That was granted, actually, today, just a little bit before the show. So we're going to have Chris come on, talk to us about that. The DGPT uh, made a quick little statement. You can check it out on DGPT.com. Um, but Chris should be coming in the next few minutes. Realistically, we're just going to... Talk disc golf. I'm going to let Evan take it away. We got about four minutes before we bring Chris on. So realistically, Evan, let's talk about the European event that just happened this past weekend uh, before we get into Des Moines Challenge, which will happen a little bit later. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about the European event, of course, Paul Macbeth over playing at the Crocal Open. Uh, Udis has this course as the number two in the world. A very cool course that a lot of people are excited to see on coverage. Apparently, players were like dying to play it more after the rounds were finished for the tournament. Uh, really cool course, new one that we get to see. Uh, not the strongest MPO field, but we did see Paul Macbeth, uh, Bradley Williams, and Jakob Semerad kind of be the notable players who have played disc golf pro tour events who have played this. Uh, and notably, Bradley Williams takes it down. It was his first ever uh, event over in Europe or even outside the United States as a whole. And he wins, which is really cool, over in Norway, uh, which I believe girlfriend's the right way to uh, put the um, uh, significant other tag mm -hmm. on him and Lucky Lorenzen, who is from Norway. Uh, so that is one of the major reasons why he's over there. And getting a head start sure on the european swing uh but an exciting round uh paul uh Macbeth and bradley williams are actually trailing to it was elias lukanen right yes I, I didn't check what was in round two but i recognize that name i believe he was leading into the round three he's a uh, up-and-comer uh unfortunately didn't come away with the win bradley williams came back Paul Macbeth finishes second, just a single stroke behind. Uh, in FPO, we saw Silva Saarinen win. I think I've said her name before on this show. Um, it's her first win of the season, but she 
uh, had some solid events earlier in the year over in the U.S. actually um, playing, uh, I believe, in Champions Cup, some elite events and silver events in the early spring uh, season. I think her best finish was 12th at uh, Innova Blue Ridge Championship. Mm -hmm. She gets that win over there. Uh, she's won a European Pro Tour in the past, Prodigy Pro Tour in the past, but her first win of this year on the Euro Tour, her first career Euro Tour win. Very cool to see that. Uh, I think we'll talk a little bit about that course later in the show, but we'll keep it quick yeah. and swing it over to um, the Des Moines well, Challenge, just, which happened. Yeah, really, really on, quick. Oh. I'm going I'm to cut you off really quick. And I lost my chat, Ben. When you get a chance, if you can bring that yes, back sir. up on my side, that'd be awesome. Just because I was, I was going to actually ask the chat this question and thank you ben and it was someone said um let's see paul blew it i think on hole 14 or 15 took a double bogey on a par three um had a brain fart or whatever can someone tell me what happened i actually wasn't able to watch that part of it i was um pretty sure i was doing something i think i was at a pool actually that day so i wasn't watching coverage but um yeah if someone can just in the chat just briefly explain what happened on that hole did he three put it did he four put it what happened um that'd be great but evan back to you des moines all right. So we had some crazy weather going on in Des Moines, uh, just like we're seeing at Junior Worlds, just like we saw at uh, Zoo Town just a few weeks ago in Montana. We're just getting to that summer stretch for the summer stretch where there's thunderstorms. Uh, there's, you know, wildfires happening in other parts of the, the continent uh, affecting us and just different kinds of weather. Uh, the FPO was able to play all three rounds, but they uh, had a lot of uh, hurdles to jump through to get to that point. MPO only played two rounds. Uh, it was called um, about halfway through the FPO leads lead cards second round. Day one went as normal. Day two ended fairly earlier, um, and they paused until Sunday morning. FPO lead card finished up the back half and then had a short break before playing round three, finishing round three, and then MPO played their round two, which was the second and final round um on sunday with some crazy windy weather um we saw Kristen tatar take it down her 11th or sorry seventh win of the year from 11 starts uh she's continuing her dominance of last year uh i think everyone was expecting that but it uh has been really awesome to see Kristen just play so well this year picking up another win gannon burr takes it down in his home state of iowa uh Pretty sizable lead by the end of it, but it was a very exciting going all the way to the end. Gannonburr actually, the, most people would expect him to lay up a circle two putt when he has a, uh, at that point, three stroke lead to then win by two. Seems pretty obvious. What does Gannonburr do? Hypes up the crowd, then makes like a 45 footer to win it. Uh, very cool to see there. It was only the uh, fourth MPO two round elite or major we have seen um, in history. Uh, the last one we had was 2020 Waco where Colton Montgomery mm -hmm. won. Uh, and that was the, um, the first event right when COVID was breaking out uh, and lots of uh, NBA was canceling things like that. And that again was a two round event where it was known before the second round that that was going to be the second and final round. Um, Paige Pierce was leading in FPO going into that weather delay. Uh, she notably uh, struggled after coming back. Uh, I think she started with a double or maybe even triple bogey. I think it was a double bogey while Kristen Sitar birdied the first hole after play resumed Sunday morning. And then I kind of went from there, ended up losing by a sizable margin, but was playing incredibly well before the delay. Uh, Missy Gannon picked up. Uh, 
picked up a second place finish um and moves uh moves into second place in disc golf pro tour points as well um over an mpo isaac robinson gets another podium he finished in second uh he moves up into fifth in the statman official rankings his best ranking of his career uh passing paul Macbeth, who also finished second but at a weaker field over in europe um and then a few players who haven't seen podiums before or in a while on elite major events ezra robinson isaac robinson's brother finishing one spot behind him greg bars he picks up his first elite podium since Texas States last year. Uh, Gavin Babcock picks up his first podium as well. Uh, and then a player who's not uh, not new to finishing on the podium, Calvin Heinberg, also does that as well. Did I miss anything, Nick? No, I think that's a big thing. We're going to talk a little bit about Des Moines afterwards. Um, I, I While we're doing the show, I obviously I like to read the chat. And I like to make sure that the chat is you know happy and everything. And apparently, I'm just having the worst microphone luck in the world. Hole 30, you said Nick's microphone sounds horrible. Just asking what is going on with it. It's Maybe buzzing. we can. Bzz, do you hear that? Bzz? I kind of hear the buzzing. Yeah, yeah is there any way to fix it? I don't know how to fix it now. It's okay. never happened. So For some odd reason, I'm just apparently the worst person when it comes to podcasting. And for some odd reason, I'm just having awful luck with microphones lately. Hopefully, though... You, you'll be able to bear with us and maybe we can turn it down a little bit. I'm not really sure. I can talk louder if need be. Anyways, Ben, do we have Chris in the green We have room? Chris in. So Evan, we'll talk about Des Moines a little bit more afterwards, kind of get into the more full-on details about it. But right now we're going to bring in Chris Clark from discgolf.law and he's going to talk to us about the numerous different things going on in the PDGA world right now uh, and in disc golf in general. So Ben, when you get a chance, bring him on in. We'll introduce Chris Clark from discgolf.law. There he is. I forget I'm in Matt's seat. <laughs> Chris, you're here. Man, I don't even know if you need an introduction at this point. We might just put this, the Nick the Nick and Matt and Chris show when it comes to lawyer talk. You've been our guy to reach out to about all these things going on in the sport. Man, I don't even care where you start. Everyone is very curious on what the hell is going on in the disc golf world right now. So wherever you want to start it, go for it. I'm going to let you free reign as much as you want. You know, the Nick and Chris show has a pretty good ring to it. I like um, it. You know, yeah. Matt is, I don't know if Matt's here to defend himself or not, but no, um, no uh, yeah, there's been a few things going on. Um, I, I think may, maybe the, the, the more straightforward one to cover is um, the lawsuit that was filed in Florida against uh, McSeese LLC, which is the uh, company that is co-owned by um, the, uh, Dylan Cease, the pitcher, and uh, Paul McBeth. Um, relative to the Grand Canyon course, a lot of people call it the throw down the mountain course. Um, what apparently happened there was there was an uh, individual that was participating in, I believe it was weekend three of the throw down the mountain tournament and was struck by a, a disc and um, apparently suffered some injuries. Um, uh, made his way off the course, uh, wasn't able to finish the tournament. This was in the final round. This was, this was on Sunday. And, um, a few days later filed a lawsuit against McSeese LLC seeking damages in excess of $50,000 and alleging, you know, permanent injury and all, all kinds of things. So, um, you know, that has raised a lot of eyebrows, um, online. Uh, it, it it seems this individual who I, I don't know at all, I only know what I've read and what people have told me, um, it, it's, it's being thought that this is perhaps 
more of a cash grab than it is uh, an injured person seeking to be made whole for their injuries. Um, again, I, I don't, I don't want to disparage this guy because, because I don't know him and I only know, you know, what people have told me and what I've read. Um, but it, it is noteworthy that after he apparently suffered these injuries that were serious enough for him to sue over and in his lawsuit, he does allege permanent injury. Um, he did go on to play, uh, at least two PDGA sanctioned events um, a couple months later. So good news, I guess, is that he sounds like he's feeling better. A um, lot of questions around, you know, could there maybe have been a different way that this could have been handled? Is it even valid for someone to make a claim when they go on to a disc golf course and compete? Aren't they somewhat assuming the risk that there may be some type of injury? Um, you know, th that's that's sort of been what the discussion has been around. But, um, you know, th that that was filed recently enough that there has not been a response or an answer filed by McSeese. So we don't know exactly where that's going to go or how it's going to get resolved. Um, but it has definitely captured the attention of a lot of uh, disc golfers and disc golf fans. So. This was a PDGA event. It was a PDGA sanctioned event. Uh, and as far as I'm aware, when you run PDGA sanctioned events, you get the PDGA insurance, which I believe is up to a million dollars, but you can maybe specify uh, how that works. So he is, uh, the individual is suing McSeese LLC instead of going to the PDGA insurance. So as far as legal sense goes, um, it, it's clear that, well, okay, not as far as legal sense go. Uh, a quick opinion, it seems like he's going after the people who supposedly have money and have things to lose because the course is currently um, not, they're not letting people play it uh, while this lawsuit is going on. So why did this, why, the PDG, I'm phrasing this question terribly, but I think you know where I'm going. The PDGA has insurance. Yeah. Why isn't that coming into play? And instead, it's a lawsuit towards McSeese LLC. Yeah. I mean, if you think about, and I've said this before, but at the risk of repeating myself, if you think about the sheer volume of PDGA sanctioned events that happen on a weekly basis, um, this can't be the only time that somebody's gotten hit by a disc and, and you know, <laughs> suffered an injury that was perhaps serious enough to retire from the event and even possibly seek medical treatment. Um, so why is this the one that has resulted in a lawsuit rather than, as you pointed out, going through what would perhaps be the more conventional channels of seeking recovery through the PDGA's insurance policy? I think we can all make our own assumptions about that. And again, you know, I'm, I'm not here this gentleman, his name is Trevor. I'm not here to, to pick on Trevor or not knock him. And, and perhaps he suffered a serious injury and now he's feeling better. And that's entirely, you know, I'll, I'll leave, leave the door open for that possibility, but it certainly does from the circumstances look like while most of us would likely have chosen to uh, seek recovery through the PDGA insurance um, he's chosen a different route. And why that is, we can all make our own assumptions. So the while this is going on, the course is not playable. Um, is that just a choice by McSeese's LLC? Or is that any kind of legal reason for that? Um, why is the course closed down? It's a great question. Um, I have 
spoken to some members of the tournament staff that were on site that day. And I actually didn't ask them that question. I'm not even sure if they were the ones that were involved in making the decision or not. Um, my hunch would be that, so, so the, the, one of the allegations in the lawsuit was that there was an unsafe condition. Like this course was, was unsafe and that the, the property owners or the tournament sh staff should have known that it was unsafe and uh, therefore they bear some responsibility for this injury. And while I expect the folks there at the course and McSee's team uh, probably disagree that there's an unsafe condition that caused this injury, maybe out of an abundance of caution, they just have decided, look, if there's a chance that we might get held liable for an injury on this course, let's pause, let's hold off, and let's not have any other events on the course right now until this gets resolved. That's my guess. Realistically, though, can you kind of say that every single course has a safety issue to it if there's any holes where if you can't you know if your first shot is supposed to go 250 feet around a bend and then your second shot goes around another bend where it's blind you know isn't that kind of up to the players at that point to make the decision to walk up the fairway make sure the coast is clear and then to throw a disc um i'm just kind of curious of like i feel like in a sense every single course could be labeled under that yeah i think it's likely that part of McSeese's defense will be that exactly what you said. Mm -hmm. um, as disc golfers, we walk onto the course understanding that we're assuming a certain level of risk. Look, I'm sitting in my office right now. The, the disc golf course that is closest to me, I have seen players tee off the first tee and hit people playing tennis on the tennis court, mm -hmm. uh, which if if you knew the course, you would probably laugh that <laughs> that was a possibility, but it happens. And so I only use that example to reinforce the point that you're making, mm -hmm. which is, yeah, any course could conceivably be dangerous and be one where players could be subject to injury and perhaps the most common injury I don't know, maybe a twisted ankle or somebody falls down or yeah. something, but certainly a common injury would be getting hit by a flying disc on the course. Yeah. And realistically, I mean, for pay to play courses, and this is just kind of around the world, you know, up in New England, in our backyard, we have pyramids in Maple Hill. Every single time you go to those places, you sign in for Maple Hill, you sign up online through the tea time at pyramids, you either sign up online with the tea time or you go and you write your name in the book. And that's kind of the waiver. Now do the like, I know every single course probably has technically a different waiver, but what does the waiver kind of ensure that is, isn't that more of, you know, if, you know, say I'm playing a course down in Texas, it's pay to play. And I sign this waiver. Isn't that kind of saying I'm liable for injuries sustained on the course at the property or the business in and of itself isn't, I'm just kind of curious about that. Yeah. I mean, you guys are doing a great job of running down all the possible defenses that McSeese has mm -hmm. in this, in this case. And I have been told again, by, by multiple people that were on site that yes, every player signed a liability waiver. And apparently the process at this course is you get a wristband, mm -hmm. um, when you sign this waiver. And so I'm told, and I haven't been contradicted when I've said this, that yes, every player, including the plaintiff in this case 
did sign a liability waiver. And I suspect that's one of the many things that will be raised in McSees' defense, assuming that they file an answer to this case, which I have no reason to think they won't. Yeah. So as you're kind of just saying, the questions that we've asked so far are kind of, let's say, in the defense of the McSees LLC. Now let's talk about the kind of you know, defense for the plaintiff in and of itself. And Trevor, where kind of, is there anything that you've been able to read about or hear about that would, you know, lead you to believe that, you know, this could lead in his direction for any specific reason? No, there's nothing I've heard that would indicate that this will go his way. On the other hand, it is in, it's a little bit of a nuanced area, but just generally speaking, if a person signs a liability waiver and despite that there is a dangerous condition on the course that the owners or the tournament staff were aware of or should have been aware of, but they chose to do nothing about this dangerous condition, mm -hmm. then in those cases, it's likely that that liability waiver would not be enforceable and would not protect the defendants in that case. Now, let me give you kind I'm, of a, a little bit of a stupid example of that. If there was an alligator on hole 18's pond and everyone <laughs> knew about an alligator and no one did anything to remove said alligator, you know, suspend a place so the animal, animal control can come in, that would be something like you're talking about right now to where the liability would then not work. Yeah, that, that's not even the most absurd example that I've heard. <laughs> I just figure um, Florida alligators, I, we got I, them. So. You know, I, I, I can't remember yeah. who it was, but somebody said, you know, if you sign a liability waiver and you're playing the course and the TD comes over and shoves you off a cliff, uh, your liability <laughs> waiver is not going to protect the TD in that case. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, that's that's generally the the concept. There. Nice. Okay. Uh, is, I, so what are we thinking for a timetable on this? Does it is, is there any indication that this could be something that's resolved, let's say, quickly, like a week or two? Could this be something that drags on for months and months, if not a year or years? I don't think it's likely to drag on very long. Um, the in in most states, when you file a lawsuit, the defendant, once they're served with the lawsuit, has a period of time in which to respond. Uh, some states it's thirty days. I believe in this state, I may be wrong, but just going from my memory, I think it might be twenty one days here. That deadline frequently gets extended. Uh, that's customary when lawsuits get filed, if the defense needs a little extra time in order to file an answer. So my hunch would be that in the next 45 to 60 days, we will know something more about this and whether that will just be in the form of McSeese filing an answer to, or perhaps seeking to have the case dismissed for failure to state a claim upon which relief can be granted or something like that. I, I'm not a litigator, so I, I'm probably not the right person to advise on what the strategy might be there. But I do expect in terms of a time frame, we'll probably know something, like I said, 45, 60 days. And do we know when this was filed? We heard about it over the weekend. Was it kind of hidden for a week or two or was it just recently filed? Um, I did know the um, I did know the filing date. It's fairly recent. I'll I'll tell you this. I'm fairly confident that the 21 days in which well i don't know i don't want to i don't want to i don't want to speculate um i can i can definitely check i can look that up and maybe i shoot you a, a message and let you know uh, all right or we'll leave the speculating to us on the show and yeah. not the person who's trying to hold up lawyer lawyer integrity um I, 
I'm going to get to like a slightly different subject within this space. If I own a course um, and, and I, you know, have people pay $5 and sign a waiver, should I be worried that somebody is going to sue me and that I might have to shut down for 21 days or more or have to hire lawyers, all the, the, all this whole nonsense, or I shouldn't say nonsense. That's not the right words. Excuse me. But, uh, the not, <laughs> I'm not calling lawyers nonsense. <laughs> want to be very clear Lawyer. there. Uh, but, uh, should, if I have a course, should I be worried that there could be a case against my course? Well, the first question you should ask yourself is, am I the richest disc golfer in the world or a major league baseball pitcher? And if the answer to either of those questions is yes, you definitely should be worried. Um, <laughs> for most people, I think probably not. You know, it, it goes back to what we were just talking about. Certainly, if you're aware of some danger on the course and you choose not to do anything about it, that would be worrisome. But for the most part, I think most of us understand that injuries happen on the course. And typically, it's really an accident. It's not really anybody's fault. So. I actually was talking with this. I was talking with a client who owns a disc golf course today about this. And I, my recommendation is just, you know, get, get some good insurance in place. That type of insurance isn't terribly expensive. And not only would it cover you if someone got injured on your course, but if they decided to go the lawsuit route and to sue you, most of those policies, at least that I'm aware of, do provide you with a legal defense. So you wouldn't even have to go out of pocket to hire a lawyer. Maybe if your policy has a deductible, you may have to pay the deductible. But yeah, I would say, you know, individuals or even entities like McSeese that own courses, um, you know, having some insurance is probably a good idea. Um, great insight. Yeah. So ha have you watched the show Suits at all? I don't know if you're one of those lawyers who like to watch what lawyers, you know, what lawyer shows are out there. I know it's funny when people are like, this is how real like doctors, you know, doing scenes from Grey's Anatomy say this is not at all what surgery is actually like. Anyway, so there's a show called Suits. And, you know, one of the things that they talk about a lot in the, sh the show is countersuits. Is there any, you know, if this goes on for X amount of time, and I, I'm not really sure how the whole lawyer litigation and everything like that works, but is there any countersuit kind of could potentially happen after this stuff gets settled? That's a good question. Not that I can think of. I'm, I'm not aware of any grounds that McSeese would have to bring a claim against the plaintiff, Trevor. Mm -hmm. I am aware that filing frivolous lawsuits can get plaintiffs in trouble. It can get plaintiffs lawyers in trouble. I'm not at all suggesting that that would apply in this case. I don't even know what the elements of that would be or what you would have to show in order to prove that. Um, I, I think it's unlikely that McSeese would have any claims against the plaintiff. Gotcha. Well, we had another big news happening. Nick, I don't want to cut you short if you have any last no, questions no, no, about good. the McSee stuff. You're good. But uh, just just earlier today, I, like two, three hours ago, uh, it was publicized that, uh, if I'm saying it correctly, Natalie Ryan uh, won a temporary restraining order against the PDGA and Disc Golf Pro Tour, which will allow her to play in the Preserve uh, Championship, I believe is the official title, uh, this weekend in Minnesota. Uh, am I correct? And let us yep. know what details you found from that. Yes, you're correct. So Natalie filed a lawsuit against the PDGA, against the Disc Golf Pro Tour, and against LaVisca Disc Golf Design in Minnesota. And along with her lawsuit filing, 
She also requested a temporary injunction that would require the Disc Golf Pro Tour to allow her to play in the FPO division and the preserve. That was granted by the judge, and I did have a chance to read through the order. I haven't analyzed it very closely, but it appears on my first reading to be pretty problematic for the defendants in this case. Um, obviously, this is in Minnesota state court. Minnesota court decisions apply in Minnesota. They typically would not have any type of binding authority outside Minnesota. But one of the factors that the court has to weigh when somebody asks for a temporary injunction is how likely is the plaintiff to prevail in their lawsuit? And this court pretty clearly said they think Natalie has a good chance to prevail, not only against the PDGA and the Disc Golf Pro Tour, but also against LaVisca Disc Golf design on her allegation that it aided and abetted the discrimination that was being perpetrated by the PDGA and the Disc Golf Pro Tour. The statute that Natalie relied on when she filed her suit was the uh, Minnesota Human Rights Act. And I could not find fault with the judge's reasoning based on the language of the Minnesota statute in granting Natalie's request. And, you know, I think, I, I, I think one thing that was perhaps the most different, I guess that's not the most eloquent way to say it, but the thing that was the most different about this Minnesota lawsuit filing as compared to the lawsuit that she filed in California was that Minnesota does have a case where a trans woman athlete, a power lifter, did for the most part prevail against USA powerlifting on fairly similar facts to the facts in Natalie's case. And so the judge specifically said, I've considered the arguments from the defendants in trying to distinguish Natalie's situation from this JC Cooper powerlifting case. And I do not find them persuasive. And so, you know, I, I think there's a big problem for the defendants there in Minnesota on this case. It, that's a fantastic insight that uh, we really appreciate you having you on to explain all this uh, to us like we're five, uh, because I definitely need it. Um, if she were to want to play in other disc golf pro tour events throughout the season in other states, we well, we obviously saw her doing in California for the OTB Open, but uh, if she wanted to play in any more past the preserve, she would also have to file similar things in each state. So is there is there any process for her that isn't just repetitive state after state after state, or is that really what her future is to try to play on the disc golf pro tour outside of Minnesota? Yeah, it's a great question. And it's one I've been asked a lot and I never have a really great answer. The one possibility is that this does make it into the federal court system and ultimately up to the United States Supreme Court. And if the United States Supreme Court were to issue a ruling, that would obviously apply across the nation, regardless of what state we were in. I think we're a long way from that. I'm not even 
I'm not even sure what the clear path would be to get that there. And really good point was brought up to me that Natalie is not the only trans woman athlete that is filing these types of lawsuits. And so it may even be the case that this gets decided through another sport. And then that would then come down and apply to disc golf, obviously. As it is right now, I don't know of any strategy that she could use other than to go state by state and file these types of lawsuits. And I believe California was a great venue for her to file in. I think Minnesota, in light of there being a prior case with similar facts, was also a great venue for her to file in. I am aware that there are states out there, including the state where I am, North Carolina, that has passed legislation specifically addressing this. And those states, it would, I believe, be far less likely that Natalie could prevail. So yeah, we may be facing a situation where there is sort of a patchwork quilt of laws. And we, like we do with a lot of other issues, have different rules that apply in different states. Now, one of... Sorry, go ahead, Nick. Thank you. I've asked um, a lot. No, you're good. <laughs> hey, so one of the things that we saw actually out in the California case was Natalie Ryan was actually granted permission to play in the event. She played the first round. And then after that, the DGPT and the PDGA had kind of countersued, if I'm saying that correctly. They had countersued it and were able to win that one. Do we kind of potentially see the PDGA and the DGPT doing that for the Preserve Championships or LaVesca LLC? How does all that kind of work in this situation? Yeah, so they appealed the ruling of the trial court out in California, and they certainly have the option to do that here as well. The Disc Golf Pro Tour released a statement mm -hmm. today after the injunction was granted saying they intend to abide by the court's ruling. And I interpreted that to mean it's not likely that they're going to file an appeal. It was then pointed out to me that they said the same thing after the injunction was granted in California. Yeah. And they still did actually file the appeal and they didn't, at least with respect to the second and third round at OTB, mm -hmm. they didn't follow the trial court's uh, order. They, they followed the court of appeals reversal of the order. So um, I don't think we know nothing really more than a hunch. I, I feel like it's unlikely an appeal will get filed, but I'm pretty bad at predicting the future. So I guess we'll just wait and see. I say, if you're good at it, let me know what the next lottery numbers are. Cause we're at about 500 million for almost both of them. So, you know, got to get on that. I'd, but... I'd just like to win an NFL bet one time. There you go. Yeah. A little DraftKings <laughs> going on. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, how, how long have you been realistically involved with disc golf now? Obviously, you've been a lawyer for a very long time, but how long have you been in the more disc golf law aspect of things? Sure. Um, I started playing the game over 30 years ago mm -hmm. and then had went to school, got married, had a family, had a career. So didn't spend a lot of time on the course, would play casually, maybe like a couple rounds a year or something like that. And then like so many of us during the pandemic, um, just kind of got re-energized around playing the game. Um, also, my son, Matt, who works with me here at the law firm, 
was instrumental in drawing me back into the game because he had fallen in love with it as well. And we just observed that player endorsement contracts were getting bigger. Uh, purses at tournaments were getting bigger. There were an enormous number of people flocking to the sport. And so I guess it was probably 2001 that it occurred to us, you know, we understand the culture of disc golf and we understand that it's very friendly and collegial for the most part and somewhat informal for the most part. But we observed that there was likely to be a need for experienced, seasoned legal counsel because the dollars involved in the sport were getting big enough mm -hmm. to require that. And it's a little bit funny to be sitting here with you on the third or fourth time I've been on the show yeah. to talk about legal stuff because I cannot tell you how many people told us how stupid it was to have a law firm that focuses on legal issues in disc golf. They yeah. said, why in the world would we ever need that? You know, what in the world are you going to have mm -hmm. to work on? And so it's a little validating, at least in 2023, there's been no shortage of legal issues arising in our sport. And I expect that'll continue. Yeah. I mean, realistically, what kind of jump started, I think all this, especially with you coming onto the show was the Gannon Burke case with Prodigy. And uh, now that's pretty much at this point, been all settled up there. You know, Gannon is at least finishing his contract for this year. Maybe re-ups it, maybe doesn't, but seems like he's going to be playing. Um, is there anything else that we missed with both the McSeese LLC and the Natalie Ryan situation? I don't think so. I think it will be... So I was at the OTB Open. Mm-hmm in person. And so I watched Natalie tee off in round one and there were a group of people there to support her. There were a group of people there who did not think that she should be playing in FPO. And so they were there representing the opposing view. But for the most part, what I observed, everyone conducted themselves appropriately. And I know that for Natalie, that hasn't always been the case, some of the other tournaments that she's played. And so I'm just optimistic that whether you agree or disagree with the court's ruling, that there won't be any of the ugly behavior that Natalie's experienced in some of the, some of the other um, tournaments that she's played. Mm -hmm. There's an appropriate venue to address this and it's through the PDGA, it's through the Disc Golf Pro Tour or through the courts. I don't think, you know, having signs or screaming at players on the Disc Golf course is the right way to handle it. So that would be the only thing that that I would say that, that maybe we didn't cover is just optimism around a great, exciting event this weekend without too much drama. No, definitely. I actually, I did think of one thing really quick. Evan, I kind of cut you off earlier too. Do you remember what you were going to say? Uh, mine was pretty minor. I, I was, uh, all, all I was going to ask is about Europe and I figured that was going to be a hard question to answer. So uh, unless you want oh, to talk about, about Europe, Euro oh, European uh, about, law with oh. Natalie Ryan, 
I I figured that's going to be a hard thing to answer. So score score one for Evan. That's one I have not been asked about <laughs> or really even thought about. Um, I, I'll, ha- I'll, have to, I'll have to give that some thought. I, I don't. <laughs> I, I don't know where to begin on that one. <laughs> that's what I figured, but I at least wanted to ask. And that's it for me, Dick. All right. Um, I guess my last question, this is actually something that got brought into conversation with just some friends and I not too long ago, is right now Natalie is allowed to play the, to play the preserve. Normally before that, it was no majors, no elite series, and no silver series. But she can still play A tiers, B tiers, and C tiers. Kind of give me a quick little explanation on... Maybe one, why the PDGA would rule it like that. And two, how does that kind of come about is, you know, hey, you can't play these things, but you're allowed to play these things. That is a great question. And I suspect there are people that know more about the answer to this question than I do. Probably a lot more. I suspect that the PDGA perhaps was trying to structure a policy that was something other than an outright ban of trans women playing. And so Mm -hmm. perhaps there was some line of thinking that said, well, if we just apply this, keep in mind, you know, the PDGA just made the policy for majors really. Mm -hmm. Um, And they, their, the PDGA's policy was that, you know, for, a, B, and C tiers, the rules apply differently. And then it was the Disc Golf Pro Tour that came along and adopted the po- the policy for PDGA majors for the Disc Golf Pro Tour events. Okay. And it's interesting, uh, the, the PDGA actually in the court filings in this Minnesota lawsuit made that argument a little bit, almost kind of like throwing the Disc Golf Pro Tour under the bus a little bit. The PDGA said, hey, we didn't make any policy relative to the preserve championship. Our policy was for our majors. Yeah. It was the pro tour over here that made this policy that's keeping Natalie out of playing FPO at the preserve, which which I thought was a little bit amusing. But, you know, the, does does that does that address what you asked? I mean, yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, I, I know some people in the tower are going to say, um, like suing everything would be horrible for PR for the PDGA, but I had actually not heard what you had just said, which, you know, the PDGA more so was just for the majors and the DGPT adopted the silver series into the elite series into that. Um, I, I've actually never even thought of it that way. You know, one helps grow the other one, you know, without PDGA members, there aren't future tour right. members without future tour members. There's no disc golf network without no disc golf network, yada, yada, yada. There's no disc golf pro tour in general. Um, so yeah, definitely. A wild year for 2023. Structuring Mm -hmm. a policy around this issue is incredibly difficult and complicated. I sometimes people watch the videos on our YouTube channel and I get criticized for beating up on the PDGA. And I don't think that I do, um, but, or or at least maybe not too much. Maybe I do a little bit, Mm -hmm. but um, they had a very difficult challenge in crafting this policy. And so do I necessarily think they came up with the best policy or would I have necessarily made the same policy or made it in the same way? Probably not. But I want to also cut them a little slack because really no matter what they did, people were going to be upset. Yeah. And so, so, so it is a confusing policy 
um, I would be interested for somebody to reach out to me and if they've got a better explanation than I gave about no, why definitely. they made that bifurcated policy, I'd, I'd love to hear it. But yeah. um, no. I, I, I can't beat them up too much because I think it was a really challenging task that they had on their hands. Yeah. And I guess you can kind of look at it in the California case where the PDGA, I think, kind of worked with the pro tour on maybe appealing the TRO that was happening out in California. Now, one of the biggest things is Look, our next major in the sport is actually just happening in a few weeks from now, the European Open. We're not really sure on that. Evan had, you know, stumped you on that question. Our yeah. next major here in the US though is by the PDGA and the Disc Golf Pro Tour, Smuggler's Notch up at the World Championships. You know, I, I could, you know, put money on it that I would definitely bet to say that she will probably try to file something for in Vermont. Um, so I'm just kind of curious, is there anything, you know, that's even worth talking about right now? If not, then we'll we'll let you go and we'll Hopefully bring you on soon. I know our chat absolutely loves having you on. And I love having you on because it kind of <laughs> opens up this whole conversation. Well, one final point I'll make and, and not passing judgment one way or the other, but you know, Natalie had a, a pro bono attorney in California working for her. <laughs> she didn't have to pay legal fees. He volunteered his time uh, to represent her. And I just learned today that the same is true for her Minnesota counsel. Um, Natalie is not having to pay legal fees for her lawyers in Minnesota either. And so as long as there are lawyers out there that are willing to do this for free, or as long as there are people out there that are willing to contribute enough to a legal fund for Natalie to allow her to hire lawyers to bring these types of cases, I think it's entirely possible we will see this pattern continue mm -hmm. gotcha gotcha no I, I definitely think that that's the case especially we still do have two more majors here in the u.s one major being overseas with a pretty large amount of you know elite series and silver series left on the schedule right now um yeah thank you chris as always thank you for coming on yeah. explaining you know everything new that's happening in 2023 this has just been an insane year when it comes to lawsuits and you're definitely the most interesting guy that we could have brought on and have so much knowledge of all this that it's great and like evan said earlier you get to explain it like we're five-year-olds because i think in the uh world of lawyers none of us are you know past a premature age so you know this is incredible <laughs> being able to kind of get a little bit more insight on it um yeah definitely wild things gannonburg lawsuit we got the mcsees llc lawsuit we got the natalie ryan lawsuits going on chris we will definitely bring you back on if anything more is to come about and i do quickly want to shout out your youtube channel which is discgolf.law Go check it yep. out. Chris actually does have a full-on video talking about the McSees LLC situation. Please, if we miss anything with that tonight, go check it out. Go sub to his channel. We love Chris. We appreciate all the time that he does, you know, coming on our show. Man, thanks a lot for the kind words. It's always a pleasure to come on and happy to come back anytime. Sounds good. Chris, thank you so much. You have a wonderful night. All right, you too. See you later. Man. Dude, disc golf. When you guys first started getting into disc golf, did you think we we're just going to have to be dealing with freaking lawsuits? Matt and I have been doing this podcast now for over, shoot, over yeah, three years now with you guys joining in along the way. And we have never, ever, ever had to deal with any of this stuff. And now all of a sudden it seems like weekly we are talking about new stuff going on and it's just damn it's it's wild you, you guys had an episode just of if there should be pay to play courses dude i know uh, right and people freaked and out like, on us when i said i'd pay a hundred dollars like so to go my... play og yarva yeah i mean that's a different conversation yeah. i wouldn't pay 
I was going to make some lawyer joke. I don't really know. I don't, I don't joke with <laughs> we lawyers. We don't joke with lawyers. Uh, no. So I, <laughs> I wasn't trying to make a joke during the interview either. No, you're good. Um, you're good. But uh, yeah, I was trying to make a joke there, but then stop myself because uh, they help us out when you hopefully don't, uh, when you, you don't want to need them, but then they will help you out when you do. Yeah. Uh, hey, we got, so, a, we got, we got a few minutes before we got Gannon on, right, Ben? Hopefully. All right. You haven't heard back from him yet. <laughs> All right. You got to call him. Mute yourself and call him. Should I call him? Yeah, I okay. mean, go for it. Don't put him on air right now, no, though. Well, but yeah, you know, send, if you can send, send him send a him. voice message that's just Gannon Burr. Anyway, so uh, really quick, I'll just completely get off topic with this really quick. And it, it's actually kind of on topic because we were talking about when I would say I'd pay $100 to play the OG Yarva. And because uh, I 100% would, if I traveled over there and that was my one time to play the original layout, the kind of what you watch in the 2014, 2016 European Masters, it looks amazing. I would absolutely love to play it. Anyways, I think last week or two weeks ago, we were talking about how much it costs. It must have been last week. Um, no, two weeks ago, talking about how much it would cost to go and watch DDO. And people were saying, you know, $40, $50, whatever, to go for the weekend and watch the event, or maybe per day. I, I don't remember exactly what it is. And I said, I was like, you know what? For a special event, I would spend the money, obviously, if I have it, spend the money on, you know, what I believe to be something that would be good for me. And me growing up, I'm a I'm a very avid piano player. I like to play all the time. I enjoy playing it. It's one of my favorite things. And so I grew up listening to a lot of piano players. One of the my most favorite ones being Billy Joel. And I think Billy Joel is actually on his last year of touring, potentially ever. And so jokingly around today, I was with you know my family up here in Massachusetts. And I was like, oh, how much I'd love to go see Billy Joel play. So I looked up the tickets. And I think for like top of Gillette Stadium like way up in the rafters it was like 479 bucks and it's actually when Ooh. I'll be back in Massachusetts in September so not gonna lie gotta, I, I am gotta put your money where your mouth I is I am probably I think it's potentially the last like Billy Joel is one of my all-time favorites I've got an incredible Billy Joel book that has all of his piano songs you know really really good ones in it and um I honestly if I have the money to just kind of openly spend because 500 is a lot you know, but at the same time, that's something. And, and I know, believe me, I know Billy Joel's not like he was back in the 70s and 80s. I understand that every single song is key changed down four or five steps because he just can't sing as well as he used to before. But at the same time, man, it's Billy Joel to me. That's like one of my idols. I, I think I would happily, if I have the money, happily spend $480 to uh, go watch him. And I know people is are that- probably going to like freak out, but. Is that, is that more than T Swift at Gillette prices, Ben? How much did you pay? No, Ben's Ben's on the phone right now, but he's oh, trying boy, to figure out with Gannon Burr stuff. Yeah, yeah get Gannon on. Oh man, well yeah. our homie over here, Ben, went to the concert and yeah. somehow got in, and I don't know how much he paid. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'll, I'll say this: my, money. my my sister dropped a fat amount of money on like third row seats to Taylor Swift. Like she was way up there watching Taylor Swift. But I will say this: I, I'm look, I'm not much of a T Swifty person, you know, Taylor Swift. But everyone is saying that her concert was actually badass. I mean, three hours of listening to her music. Now, I don't think I would be able to do that because I I don't even know three hours of Taylor Swift music. But could I sit there and listen to every single Billy Joel song that he did? (laughs) Absolutely. I think that would be amazing rather than just, you know how some bands come on for an hour, hour and a half. If you go to like the Palladium or something like that, they have a time limit at 11 o'clock. You got to be done anyways. So enough about that. I'm not going to go ahead. What's up? Oh, unless Ben has. No, Ben, what do you got? You got an update? Ganon Burr? 
Mike, come on. Mike, come on. <laughs> I, I sure as hell hope our title does not say Gannon Burr is on tonight, because if it does, go It does. Hey, that. we can change it, though. That's all Ch- good. Change that Gannon Burr, Mike, come Burr, on. Yeah. Mike. No, he, he, he'll let me know. Um, okay. He's busy. I heard changes in the background. Man's, man's trying to win the preserve. Yeah, I mean, man's trying to win the preserve, you know, go back-to-back events. Um, anyways, uh, one he, of the things that we didn't really talk about with Des Moines, and this is, I think, a great subject to talk about because this is actually something that i personally experienced as well in the sport of disc golf but they had and i I don't know exactly how to put this but i i guess i'll put it the best way i can which was equal payouts for first place in the mpo is this first place second place third place like they were all the same or is it just the winner got 12 and a half grand so so they did normal normal payouts for both divisions as they would based on normal structures and then all they did was bump up fpo winner to be the same as the MPO winner. Okay. So, so only what, one spot in FPO changed. What, what was the difference? Before. You know, what was the difference between first place and second place for uh, FPO? Any idea? I can you look know, it up. I don't know payout structures as well as I should, yeah, <laughs> considering how often I look at them. Yeah, but I believe it was it estimated probably to be around like 6,000, maybe it hit 7,000. Okay. Uh, I, I'll put it to you this way. Um, excluding the tour championship being, you know, the finale event, uh, higher, higher payday, not to take away from the, mm-hmm. uh, accolades of that event um but for just standard stroke play events this is the highest fpo payout ever more than any major krista tatar won worlds last year and i think it was ten thousand five hundred eleven thousand something mm-hmm. I, I actually don't even have the numbers in front of me because cash came out a little late so i didn't see yeah. it i'm sure i could pull it up um yes i have it right here twelve thousand two hundred and fifty to krista tatar um i don't have a profile pulled up but worlds was around eleven thousand high ten thousands last year so she surpasses her record ever for a standard stroke play event, uh, which is insane and really like insanely good uh, and really cool to hear that that's the highest ever from a three day elite event that it was even two days for MPO. Yeah. Uh, so I think it's crazy cool to see. I think uh, I have so many good words about the Des Moines challenge. I, I had my hot take that I think it's a better course to watch than Crocal. We can mm-hmm. get to that later. Mm-hmm. Uh I think the crew here has done a phenomenal job. Even being on a public park, it doesn't feel like a public park. Yeah, when this event there. came on tour in 2021, it was because the European Open was canceled. They ended up not doing the European swing for the Disc Golf Pro Tour. And this event kind of came up in, in its place to have a US-based event kind of on the schedule. I would look when it came on, I'm like, hey, cool. Des Moines, that's not a bad place. We'll have this event on for a year. Maybe it'll come back for a silver next year and hang around on that level. But I just didn't see it with a crowded Midwest schedule. It's sticking around when we have so many good Midwest events. Yeah. I I couldn't have been more wrong. I think this event has elevated to maybe be the second most premier Midwest event. I don't think it's past Ledgestone. Um, I mean, you can argue you like the course better or you argue not but it as good of the payout is the total payout isn't as much as what ledgestone gets it isn't what ledgestone is as a whole i mean that's going to be a elite plus event this year yeah. uh, so i still think that's the number one midwest event but this one i think is firmly mm-hmm. number two and that's what the like d glow I mean, uh, I mean, people have their thoughts about DDO, but that's a very long-standing elite event. We have other awesome courses like the Preserve, Idlewild. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm Jonesboro can maybe be Midwest or South. I don't really know. They can tell me what that is. Uh, but there's a lot of great courses, and I think this is number two. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, so just quickly looking at the numbers, it was 12250 for first place in the FPO division, and then $4,500 for second place. And the FPO division. So we're looking at what seven hundred, seven hundred fifty, seven thousand, seven hundred fifty dollars 
uh, difference between that's first place and second place. That's a lot of freaking money. That's got to be. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go on the limb right now. I'm not even gonna look it up, but I'm gonna say that's the that's, largest gap from a standard event ever. Gotta be the Again, largest between Pro Tour championship. Place place. Yeah, Pro Tour championship's gonna have more. I think it was from yeah, 35 to, 20. to 25 or 35 to 20. 30, 30, yeah, something, something like that. that. 30, yeah, I, I would say the DGPT finale probably does have the largest kind of discrepancy yeah. in between the two. But from but a, I, yeah, from standard a standard stroke plate. Yeah, standard stroke plate. This this just has to be. Um, and, I know and this I, also came from the event sponsor, by the way. So True Bank, yes. it's the True Bank Des Moines Challenge. They're the ones that uh, asked for this. They mm-hmm. said that to re up to want to do this again for a bigger payout or whatever yeah. it was. They said we want to have equal payouts. Um, I, there's a lot of takes on this, and I'm sure you know. Th- there's you know positive and negative. I don't want to say negative, but more mm-hmm. of um, you know. Uh, there's the equity and equal and all these kind of different words to what is fair and yeah. who is it fair for. Um, there's You've seen the talks uh, Drew Gibson posted on Twitter about the percentage of the field payout. All I want to say here is I don't want to get into heated topic about it. I think we're all excited about it. But when you think about the disc golf pro tour, not your your B tier in your local town or your big A tier in your region, when you think about the disc golf pro tour, it's all is pooled into one. The fields don't matter. They can have a 40 person field and the product, I'm going to say it will be the same. It will be the same if both fields are only 40 people. MPO can be 40. It doesn't matter. It doesn't need to be 120. They'll still have the same field. They'll still have the live broadcast running for both MPO and FPL. They'll have all the ads running for both broadcasts. The both broadcasts are the same. They have the same production costs. They have the same advertisement costs. It's all looped in together. When you go to put ads on the Disc Golf Pro Tour, it's for the Disc Golf Pro Tour. It's not for, oh, just the men it's not just for the women it's for the disc golf pro tour it's not just for the lead card it's for the disc golf pro tour so uh, i think that's a, a really easy counterpoint to make to explain why i think this process makes a lot of sense i've i've heard that other sports i, I think tennis notably for majors they pay out the same it doesn't matter um and so uh, this is a topic that comes into a lot of other sports and there's plenty of different uh ways to cut it i mean you go to nba and wnba that's not really the same structure because the ads are completely different you have the youtube tv nba playoffs it's not the youtube tv nba playoffs and wnba playoffs the ads are separate so it's a little bit tougher to get into that conversation but i think purely for disc golf pro tour i i think it makes a lot of sense and at the minimum it's really good pr that can get disc golf a little bit more on the map and that's what we all want i mean i think it's kind of like a 50 50 pr thing because you have the people that say hey i love the idea versus hey to the people that don't love the idea and i think you can also look at like just with anything you can look at it as there's going to be some people that say yeah i think that's an incredible idea versus no i don't think that's a credible idea i think one of the things as i'm kind of briefly reading through chat a little bit right now is and you were just mentioning it mentioning it earlier is true bank putting up that money specifically for that reason now, I, I would be dumb to say, no, that's a horrible idea. We shouldn't do that. Like, yeah, if TrueBank wants to kind of pony up that money for it on the MPO side and the FPO side, hallelujah, dude. Watching players be able to make 12 and a half grand or, you know, 12.25 grand just from playing disc golf for the weekend is pretty friggin' awesome. Um, I, I know a lot of the kind of counter arguments is let's say, let's say uh, TrueBank didn't put up that money and, you know, it wasn't specifically for the FPO in that case, then people are going to say, all right, well, the MPO winner be 119 players while the FPO winner only beat 45 players. And then like you were talking about just a little bit ago is we do have shared, 
you know, shared streams right now. If disc golf ever blows up to a point where you have the, you know, DGPT for the MPO and then you have the DGPT for the FPO, I think you are going to see different numbers. I I think and like we see it with a I would say a majority of sports out there in the MPO or the male aspect of the sport, there are more viewership to it. Now, I'm not saying that female sports are bad whatsoever, um, but the viewership and the ads like you were talking about early are a little bit more pushed on the male side of things. Now, right now we do have shared streams and I love that because I get to be, I, I'm able to spend all day watching disc golf, which is incredible. Um, and if those things are to ever change, then yeah, maybe the payout structure changes as well with it. It all depends on what that tour is kind of bringing in for numbers, but yeah, for, yeah. for a company to go I, out of their way, I, we saw this actually at a tournament down in Texas and I don't remember the exact one, but yeah, I do remember it was that in Austin. I forget the name. It was yeah, Tito's but, Vodka uh, was the uh, one that did it. Was yeah. it a tequila company? Right. And then, I don't know. I'll tequila off the top of my head, but they had put down, maybe it was Tito's Vodka. Yeah, we can hear you. <laughs> okay, yeah. I, I did say that like oh, 20 seconds ago. Oh, I, I, I totally was, went over you I on that then. talking over you, so yeah. I'm not, I'm not well, mad. I it's okay. No, we're both talking over each other. But anyways, you yeah, said Tito's? Was it Tito's? Yes. Okay, so they, they had put up an extra 10 grand for uh, specifically the FPO division. So I mean, we see it in the sport. Yeah, and I think it's it's certainly a possibility that the long term that the tour split up, and you know you have you could have the MDGPT and the FDGPT or the WADGPT. Uh, people, uh, I, I mean, you hear that claim a lot. I'm gonna be honest. I would not be surprised if it's forever just the Disc Golf Pro Tour, and you have a you know a mixed or men's winner and a, a women's winner. I I I seriously think that's a viable solution. You see some other sports, um, you know, as far as uh, trying to push equality, moving towards that. I mean, I think soccer has been a notable one. I mean, the the U.S. women's national team has been pushing for that. But you see other federations. I think Denmark is notably one where they were like, "Yep, all all advertising money is just pooled and it goes equally between our teams." Um, I, you see that kind of moving slowly in different spaces. Uh, and it's really easy to grow your brand as a whole and have double the product than half the product. Uh, if the Disco Pro Tour is going to advertisers, sure, you're, you're asking for double the money, but you're asking for double the ad space. You're saying, hey, people are going to watch FPO and MPO. <laughs> you're, you're more people or more often people are seeing your ad placement. That sounds great. Uh, for already a low niche um, uh, population of people. Mm -hmm. I mean, even with disc golf blowing up, it's still very small. Having more ads, I think, is certainly better. And when we're asking for these big companies, they want to see more and more numbers. So, if if the disc golf pro tour can also say, "Hey, we have four broadcasts a day," and I'm counting Europe in this because they've been doing it for uh, two or three weeks now, and they're going to do it for four or five or six more. Uh, MPO, FPO for both. That's four broadcasts a day for at least three days in a weekend. So my quick math tells me that's 12, mm -hmm. at least 12. And if you're averaging a number times that by 12, and that's awesome. Instead of, if you just had a, a men's tour and you only have three or four broadcasts, they could be longer, but it, I think it sells better. And I think as the world's kind of moving towards uh, pushing for equality, I mean, it, it's an incredibly good product. We enjoy it. I mean, how much fun is Krista Tatar to watch? How much fun is the challenger she has to it? I think everything's good about it, and I wouldn't be surprised if it sticks this way. But it certainly could go otherwise. I'm not uh, speaking definitely either way. Yeah, I mean, realistically, we're we're slowly seeing the sport grow and grow and grow. And we're seeing the amount of people able to play on the Pro Tour grow and grow and grow. Quick numbers gave me 120 people in the MPO division. 
and 46 people in the FPO division. Now, let's say we want to get to a point, though, where there is 120 MPO and 120 FPO. This is where the tour does not have to split into two, but they have to find states that do have two courses within each other. And let's say now all these events are, you know, at the Des Moines Challenge, you have people, I, I think it's called Pickard Park. Um, you have, let's say, the MPO playing Pickard, and then you have the FPO playing somewhere else. Now, they're playing the same exact weekend. People are still able to travel together with each other. But I think for the FPO to grow a little bit more in that sense, though, um, opening up more spots in the FPO field, which maybe there are, I'm not 100% sure, but I think eventually our sport will have to go to we can't fit 240 people in every single course. There's not enough tee times in a day to be able to fit that. And one of the things that we literally just dealt with was weather issues to where none of the MPO cards got to play round two. Well, some of them got to at least start it, but no one was able to finish round two. And then so the FPO played two rounds on the final day while the MPO just went to a two round tournament in general. They played one round Friday and they played one round on Sunday. So I think this is something as the sport continues to grow is opening up courses. And I'm just going to use we're going to the Vermont for the world championships. Half the half the people playing Brewster Ridge first day, half the people playing uh, Fox Run the first day. And then after three rounds, you have a cut. Boom. Now they can play that final round on a specific course. You'd have to I mean, obviously, you'd have to figure out the numbers exactly how it works to make sure everyone's playing a specific course. But I think that is something that will kind of need to be taken into account over the next few years. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think courses will be something that may, you just have to have more to fit more field. There is also the possibility that the tour cuts off the uh, elite events at a certain number. So that way they can fit both divisions and fit, uh, what would that be like 160 ish players max. Um, and then if you're not good enough to make that field, which will be incredibly competitive, play a silver event, um, play a different qualifying event. Or, I mean, everyone mentions, you know, possibly having a corn ferry tour level, a kind of second division of disc golf. I think there's a lot of different possibilities that we'll see, but I, I really could see that. I think that's more likely. I mean, realistically, give me, give me a take on it. If the DG, uh, DGPT started up a corn ferry tour, let's call it the Evan Kearns tour. And it's (laughs) Ah, all, it's all the best, you know, MPO players and FPO players who don't have what it takes right now to make it up on the DGPT. Would you watch that? Like, would you watch the more every day? (laughs) You know, it's like, it's like, I I would say it's like watching the G league or triple a baseball. How often I like to watch it in person, but I'm not going online and looking up, you know, the NBA G league to go watch, you know, someone who just got dropped from the Celtics to go play on the main Celtics or, you know, I'm not, I, I go to Woo Sox games when I'm in town because it's just a fun thing to do in person, but I'm not going yeah. online looking up. Hey, so, can I even watch these online? I'll be honest. I do watch lower division soccer. So they're okay. like, you would say, Championship, yeah, if there's a specific, specific fun to watch. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's incredibly cool. It's a little bit different there. Cause you have a uh, minority I mean, stake in the little. team. That's why. I would love to do that. I actually don't. I really should buy a minority stake in a soccer team, like the ones that do like $20 shares, uh, kind of Green Bay Packer style. It's a little bit more popular in soccer. I, I would love to do that. I really should. What I can't believe Green I'm Bay not. Packer style? Uh, it, it's a, a technically a fan-owned team. I mean, you have like... It's like a public company, publicly. It's not actually, I don't think, uh, but it's essentially that idea where you buy stocks in a team and so you mm-hmm. own some. And so um, it's, like it's a little I bit more popular in soccer. Yeah. So you own, you know, a sh- you know, one share uh, and you own, you know, point a hundred zeros and then one percent of Microsoft. So yes. you get some vote and, you know, Bill Gates has like a hundred million shares and 
you know, uh, in, in soccer, that's a little bit more popular. Um, I mean, th- there's notable teams. I mean, in the U S there's, I believe Deut- no Detroit city isn't it's Chattanooga FC. I think is, is one of the bigger fan owned ones. Uh, in Germany, you have a 50 plus one rule, which means you kind of have to have, uh, over half the team owned by the fans, I believe is the technical way of saying that I forget exactly how it works, but it's really cool. And it, it makes a team more of a part of a community. Instead of you think we're the Oakland A's, you have some owner who's just being incredibly cheap and having the, the cheapest payroll in baseball, and then wants to move them to Las Vegas just to get a free stadium. Uh, you don't have uprooting a team just to, move them if the fans owned it why would the fans ever agree to move the team it's not going to happen so there's cool things like that 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 kind of got away from your question nick which is would you watch would you watch the the evan kearns tour of disc golf i'm gonna call it the stat manda tour okay all right i like that we'll call it the stat manda tour yeah so yeah that'd be really cool um where disc golf is right now think about how rabid the fan base is of our our niche fans they'll you you meet so many people who are watching as much live coverage as they can but they'll still go back and watch all the jomez they'll watch you know fpo mpo they'll watch gatekeeper they'll watch h pro they're not just watching the lead card live and then they're done they're taking in all these things they're listening to podcasts right now they probably listen to more than just our podcast they're listening to all these other shows and they're thinking about disc golf all the time and when you're at a niche level and you aren't kind of fully big you're going to have fans who want to do that so if you did pull people i think you would get a lot of people who would want to watch that now when you get to a exploding fandom and you have hundreds of millions of fans and you get nba or nfl fans if you ask them would they want to watch a second division the answer is probably no people don't really watch the g league the nfl doesn't have a second league but there's been other offshoots like the aaf the xfl uh there's a cfl in canada they get solid viewerships i mean disc golf would love the numbers they get uh but it's really tough to have them can i mean besides the cfl the other ones really struggle to uh stay in business year to year yeah um so i think it would uh, it's tough because i don't think the money is there from the disc golf pro tour as someone to pay for cameras for a tour of that level but i do think viewership would be semi-decent so it'd just be how much money goes into the the uh product i mean the disc golf pro tour is already on like a pretty small budget as far as sports goes so maybe it's worth keeping on but i think it'd be really cool more long term the disc golf network has the stat mando tour on monday tuesday wednesday final day is wednesday three round tournaments and then you go in and either have a four-day tournament starting on thursday or you have the press conference for a three-day tournament starting on friday and then you have disc golf network every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, I, just having people have a reason to watch disc golf network every single day seems smart to me. Uh, so if the money is there to subsidize that tour and you get enough players who want to do this and have this pass, I don't think we're there yet player wise. I think we need more players and even a deeper field, but the, the way MPO is going this year, I think we're not that far away. Um, but I, I do think it's possible and I think people would care enough and talk about it. And if you win the stat Mando tour event, it's like a whole big deal. And if you earn a tour card for the next year, if, maybe not that high, but if you earn, you know, a three event card or something and hop up, it's a really big deal to win this. It'll be a lot of narratives that are really cool from it that people will talk about. Yeah, no, definitely. I quickly want to cut off what we're talking about. Matt Graham did put in his picks. Matt Graham says Ooh, Calvin Heiberg. Calvin Heiberg and Holland Hanley. Will Holland Hanley get her first win at the year? If there is a course that could set up for her, I think it is this one at the Preserve Championships. 
Yeah, Matt's not dumb for picking no, her here. I, yeah, I actually think those are two incredible picks. Um, we haven't seen Calvin with this event, right? Right? I don't think so, no. Who won it last year? Bradley um, Williams? No, so B. Williams. Bradley Williams, Tatar. then Ricky Wysocki before that. And then and Nico. Then, I'm do, just, yeah, sorry, I'm just yeah. going MPO. And then Nico won before that. Yeah. And then Kristen won last year. Or, no, Paige won last year. Kristen won in 2021. And then Paige won in 2020. Okay. Paige is a two-time winner here. I do know that. Gotcha. And Tatar won in 2021. Well, while we're so, talking hey, about it, we might as well, man, let's make some picks. Yeah, I want to drop a cool stat real quick. Let's, let's um, hear it. Des Moines Challenge was the first uh, event on tour that Kristen Tatar won for her second time, the same event. It was her 18th win from Major Silvers, Majors Elite and Silvers, and it was the first time that she had a, a duplicate win. Uh, obviously, diff- uh, different years. That goes without saying. I don't know why I even said that. Uh, but the same event, uh, which is really cool and really surprising. And it tells her that she's kind of dominated at different times. She hasn't yeah. played all the events. She's not even tried to defend her events. I mean, preserve yeah. last year. Remember, she was going through. It was either the shoulder injury or the COVID. That's right. It wouldn't have been last year for COVID, I don't think. No. I, I, who knows? No. But she wasn't able to defend it. But she's now here That's to right. not i guess not defend her title but try to get it potentially back. repeat as well yeah so she could go back to back weekends i'm curious and i don't know how quickly it would be to look it up but i'm curious how many events at this point besides for first year events like let's talk about events that we've had on the pro tour for three or four years now at this point i'm curious how many events left that she hasn't won you know like she, yeah. she hasn't won mvp um i don't think she's won at smugs yet right uh no she won last year at Smugs. did she win last year at Smugs? why did i think Haley king for some reason yep okay Haley king Haley king had a good year but actually she won it and then had a really good year the year after i forget exactly okay anyways Um, uh, yeah okay there's there's obviously a couple events that she hasn't won yet do you do you have them i I, i'm just casually sorting and trying to go through it Mm -hmm. so she didn't win delaware from the two times she tried to play it finished second both times that's I, for all likelihood, not going to happen again. Mm-hmm. Um, she played Ledgestone last year and didn't win. Um, she played Texas States this. Uh, no, she played it. Th- oh, it's, it has a different name, but she didn't win it this. Sh- okay, I'm sorting by name. Yeah, but it's not perfect. And it's also tough. Texas States has moved around a decent amount, so not yeah. Playing the same so she courses. didn't win in 2022, yeah. and then didn't win it this year in 2023. I'm trying to jump around more. She's won D Glow. She uh she definitely won gmc but the one i'm seeing here has her not winning it how is this or oh because it was a playoff last year that's why oh this is fun uh to try to organize this uh i don't think she's ever won las vegas she's only played it once though okay she's played mvp twice has finished second twice um has won jonesboro won waco didn't win austin but that was the first time she played it yep uh it's two for two at um des moines she did um, come in second at Waco last year, but she did win it this year. Music City, she won. Portland Open, she won. GMC, she won. End of a Blue Ridge, she won. Uh, Zoo Town, she won. Pro Tour Championship, she's won. So European Open, she's only played it twice, and it was back in uh, 2017 and 2019. Finished fifth and sixth. Okay. Uh, Kono Piche Day, uh, when it was a major in 2018, she finished fourth. Okay. Um, Such a badass And that's course. it. She's won... She's won U.S. Women. She's won Worlds. Yeah. So, so she's oh, still man, got a few. To, she's still, yeah, she's still got a few to go. But man, she's coming up close it, on pretty much winning everything. Yeah, and that's just once she's played that I'm going yeah. through. Yeah. Um, of course, she she could have just never have played a, a recurring Disc Golf Pro Tour event. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the only actually Idlewild 
Did we? Did I never mention? Yeah, Idlewild I think we mentioned Idlewild. Wow, she has never played Idlewild. That's a cool. I'll have to remember that before we uh, before we get. Well, that's to usually right, kind of before the European swing. So a lot of players will play that event and then ship out, or that's either right after the European swing. So I feel like it's in because usually Idlewild's middle of July, well, correct? Yeah, I mean, since Christmas Star's dominance, we've only really had one European swing so far, yeah. which was last year. Well, we've had so Euro- I, we've had European Open almost every single year for a while now. So, I mean, just that well, in and of itself—that's usually always well, falling yeah, right before. A gap from 2019 to 2022, and she only had one one event in 2019. That, okay. That's kind of my point. To yeah. Say. Okay, I get what you're saying. Cool. Well, I mean, Des Moines yeah. picks. Let's talk about them. Uh, ben, any update on Gannon? Anything? No update. Gannon Burr, Bueller. Gannon Burr. All right, no update on Ganon right now. It's Folks, not looking promising, but we'll see. I'm not saying I'm not saying a cool but kind of basic Ganon burst until he comes on. So like he doesn't get oh, to hear dude. it if he doesn't come yeah, on. Yeah, that'll entice him. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> now he's coming on. Yeah, he he better. I mean, shoot, does he have a link and everything? We've already got like yeah. You know, I mean, he he's listening potential. and just yeah. waiting for a reason to come on. Yeah, and, no and kidding. We'll give you five extra dollars, Ganon. All right, let's talk while we're potentially still waiting on Ganon Burr. Uh, let's talk to Moin Picks. We've, oh, excuse me. Uh, like our, preserve. Our past ones? Preserve. I, oh, okay, I also okay. predicted Ganon to win Des Moines, so we can't. Uh, Who'd you predict Glazer, for uh, FPO though? Cam Merch, I think. You know what's kind of funny no, is we were talking about Pierce. it. We were talking about it in our group chat, and I was like, "Yeah, I don't even remember who I picked." And everyone was just like, "Dude, you literally picked Ganon Burr." <laughs> No, Chris. Like Chris Dickerson. Yeah, yeah Chris. Yeah. I picked, excuse me. No, I no, picked, no, it was you. It was you because. Yeah, cause I picked Chris because Matt was talking about how he's going to shave the beard. And I was like, ha, I don't even remember why we made that bet. And then <laughs> Evan's like, dude, you picked him. And I was just like, oh, shoot. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You Nick, you're not totally blonde, but that was a blonde moment. Dude, I'm, I'm getting old. I'm getting old. Yeah. Um, All right. Let's talk about Preserve. Yeah. I mean, okay. Well, one, Preserve is one of my favorite. Like, it's probably my favorite, like, just mega birdie course and, and maybe they're tuning it to be harder and harder each year but mm-hmm. it still feels like it's it's just that shreddable course that's fun to watch yeah. the, uh, all black all i saw black. one picture yeah. is it all of them yeah oh, let's yeah. go that that looks snazzy yeah, we i like preserve black going on Can, this weekend hey if you talk about like who has the most swag on tour or like historically it, i mean it's kale, kale like right like there's, there's no contest yeah like there's literally no one like i don't even yeah. know who number two is it's just kale's yeah. number one yeah and then we'll think about like fifth place next yeah exactly no kale's the man yeah. kale is doing incredible things with that property um yeah most of the big names are there though i think realistically the only one who's not is Paul yeah Macbeth. eagle mcmahon eagle? is technically signed up okay yeah he he is registered as of now but okay. yeah like you said i mean ricky's coming back heimberg uh gannon burr we got all the names i mean paul mcbeth's not there i yeah. mean you could say bradley williams is a big name since he won it last yeah, he year won it he last won't year. be there yeah yeah on fpo's side i mean Krista tatar's there and mm-hmm. uh, for due diligence i won't end the conversation there she hasn't won everything this year just more than half yeah um but missy gannon page pierce haley king holland hanley katrina allen val manduhano who had a great uh finished last week yeah second event? back a second event second, second event, event from injury yep. ddo was i think a little mad i'll say maybe good for her coming back first event yeah and then last week at des moines was what a top f- f- six for six time okay. for sixth decent yeah not that you say top six but yeah, not too shabby at all though we can say top six on the show we can do what we want evan i can say show. whatever i want yeah, you can yeah. say top 92 and that you know, sure is right exactly and we can have you know, 80% of your disc golf pro tour stop starts in that. No, probably not even maybe like 20%, <laughs> dude. I'm like hundredth place, man. Top, talk, talk about top, top 92. Top, talk talk nah. about top 138. I'm hundred percent baby boy. 
I got those. You're getting your tour card next year? <laughs> Absolutely not, dude. <laughs> I've got other plans going on right now in life that are coming to into fruition. Oh, we know. The I'm plans. not able to. We know the enunciate them yet, but some really, really cool stuff going really on behind cool the plans. scenes. Um, I want to shout out really quick. Actually, Matt is in Illinois right now. This before because it just came up on my mind. But my apparel company, DiscuraDG.com, has come out with some absolute fire stuff lately. Absolute fire stuff. Now, if you try to go on the website right now. Um, I think we actually have it as it's under maintenance. We're doing vending out in uh, Illinois for the Am Worlds. So we brought majority of our stuff out there because wanted to get it out to the public. But um, I've still got some discs up on the website, DiscuraDG.com. If anyone wants to buy some sweet Discraft plastic for not a major price of it, check it out, DiscuraDG.com. It's got a cool stamp on it. So also some really, really cool new- stamp. What's that? You still got plenty of night stamp discs? Oh, left? yeah. Heck yeah, babe. Nice. Yep. Oh, yeah. All right, I got some. Yeah, give me, I got some stats with you. All right, give me some stats. Oh no, not about me. Let's talk about the stats about me afterwards. I want to do. Right. I want to do preserve picks, man. I don't right. need to embarrass okay. myself like okay. that. I'll pick. I'll go. Look, I'll, my coolest thing. I got top forty-three at Worlds one year. At Smugs. Oh, I yeah. just played Smugs. I got. I did. Top nine. Nice in MA one. <laughs> nice. Anyways, let's go. Um, that's awesome, Ben. Don't don't thank don't you. talk bad about that. First year of MA one. That's awesome. I know expectations can always be higher, but that's golf. You did good. Here, I'll uh, I'll give Ben a little stat. Ready. My first year Brewster, Brewster Ridge Open 2016, AM1, I won it. I'm so far behind. It was a no. no it was a dude. It back, <laughs> it's so, so far behind Nick. Carl. So back back then it was a. Uh, it I'm was, done ripping on Nick yeah, for the night. That's, that's the last one. Um, back then it was only a one day event, and the first round was 18 holes, and the second round was 27 holes. You did 18 Jeez. at Brewster, and then you did Yeesh. nine of Fox because that's before we had, um, like the full, uh. Fox Run wasn't, I don't think, yeah. officially fully open back then, or certain times they didn't want to fully it. do it. And a couple of the holes are different. Like 16 was not nearly as hard as it is now. Like I used to be That's able one to of birdie the best 16 holes on tour. Yeah. I used to be able to Second birdie 16 because you would play, I, you would play yeah, 14, seven, 16. You would play 14 or 15, whatever it was back then. You would play the big hyzer up to the basket in the middle of the trees uh, right after the telephone pole hole. And then instead of walking to left to the forehand hole in the woods, which is now 15. You would actually walk straight and go up the hill a little bit and you would play a big Annie and then a hyzer to the basket. So the hole was much shorter. You could argue more OB, but definitely way easier to par, easier to birdie. Anyways. And to continue being off topic, uh, obviously Worlds is going to be there later this year. Mm -hmm. I heard last year when they were talking about it during GMC time, they said that they're planning some you know, upgrades for worlds and some course design upgrades. I think mainly on Brewster. I didn't know if any of us knew anything about that. And by any of us, I mean you two, because I don't Wait, know say, anything. Say it again. Were there any changes on Bruce Ridge? Okay, yeah, yeah. So I, I, I did hear there's changes happening, and there are are going to be changes. I heard they wanted. I heard so many things, but I heard they wanted to move hole 18 back. They want. They're going to move hole on Brewster. Brewster. This is all Brewster. Yeah. yeah I don't know any. Okay, okay. I don't think any Fox changes. Hole 11. They're going to bring back. That's Matteo. Par four hole, mm-hmm. um, eagle, Matteo Eagle, Ooh. I should say. Yeah, that's a great hole. They're yes. gonna bring the team back. Belmont Honda throw in. Yeah, yeah, and then um, I think what's the one like where the like right behind that tee pad, hole nine, twelve. No, no, but on eleven, maybe it's hole eight. Eight is the uphill par four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Where yeah. it's like it, it's like eight's tee pad, then eleven's tee pad. I guess they're gonna move eight's tee pad to the right more, so they can push eleven's tee pad back, and they're gonna make it a par five. That's oh, what shit. I heard. 
Um, this the the people could have just been lying to me, but I've heard it. I heard it from multiple people and some locals. So, yeah. you know what they say about disc golf rumors? The first thing you hear is always the true one. Yeah. So, yeah. I, but I guess game of telephone. They they I don't yeah, know about eighteen completely, telephone but I think eight holy and eleven are actually being moved. Eighteen. I heard something like they wanted someone wanted to remove the bush, but they didn't want to remove the bush there, so they're gonna keep it. I don't really know. Okay, I, I get wanting to keep the bush, but is that is holy teen block? Is the basket technically blind from the tee pad? I forget. No, I think if you, you technically move it. like a foot off to the right, I, I'm pretty sure you okay. can see it, or you can see the flag. Okay, I, if, if I'm I, not mistaken, they have flags. I parked that hole both days. I'm gonna so, say this, I, and I'm a hole, <laughs> hole one at Brewster is okay. Hole eighteen is just overwhelmingly meh. Hole eighteen is a bad hole eighteen. It's a good as, hole. Yeah. It's a boring eighteen. Like yeah. I don't mind yes, it as a hole. Fair. I will say this: it's actually further than you think. And now that that bush yep. has grown so much, it actually does force you to throw a better shot than what we used to have to. Um, I know some people, I bigger wish, arms can throw buzzes uh, there, but like I'm a fairway driver on that an, hole. For me as an am, I feel like that hole and hole one are like the perfect amount of protected, like the hole one being protected by like the curve of the fairway. And then that one tree, yeah. um, hole 18, I feel like it's the perfect amount of uh, uh, obstacles on the green. For pros, not nearly hard enough. That's essentially an open fairway and an yep. open green because they're yeah, so good. Easy. Like I said, so, it's a boring, um, it's a boring part three pro tour standard wise. And I think it's a boring yeah. 18. Like I would never want to see that tournament finish on Bruce Ridge 18. Um, just that's because of how finish on Fox run easy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to say one more thing besides hole 10 at Brewster. It's, it's like so easy to get all the holes mixed up. Yeah. Like when we're, when you say Matty O hole, I do remember that. Mm -hmm. And there's, you know, a few others that come to memory besides one in 18, but it is hard where if you talk yeah, about Fox all, run, it's really, really easy to memorize. <laughs> Fox, to have, yeah. Yeah. Fox run could do some changes. Uh, I, I've said this a billion times before. Fox runs my all time favorite course that I've ever played. I just love everything about it. Now I yep. do understand that it is a softer course that's on tour. Um, hole two could Stay maybe change a little bit. Hole six could definitely change. Hole six is literally just a filler hole. Um, yep. but you have two. Oh, yeah. I, birdie, I, played, I played that course twice, birdie hole six both times. Yeah. And let me tell you, if I birdie a hole twice and it's for the pros, it's too dang yeah. easy. Like I love hole five just because it is so easy to throw OB on that hole. I think it's great. And then hole, hole seven, great hole. I like it. I don't love they changed this year where they made it kind of, or I should say last year, where your last shot getting into kinda the green curl. is now more of a hyzer to left. I, I love that dead straight just because but you can go over the OB to reach it. I think it's sick. Yeah, because it's like no, it's like the risk reward is there. Yeah. I mean, people were still yeah. taking massive numbers. Put any rain or wind, and that hole is yeah. very difficult to birdie, let alone Dude, even it was par it at that point. Boring when I played yeah. Fox Run. Hole eight. Hole, I mean, yeah. I'm not going to go through the whole Ben's course right now. Condition. But um, anywho, yeah. hopefully people we can, we can swing yeah. it back to let's picks. let's swing it back. Yeah, to yeah picks. we've been trying to get we, these we picks in. I was trying to delay it to hope that Gannon Burr was just randomly going to jump on. We only have like what is it? two full months until worlds just about that's not true is it is that really true all of july all of august and then it's like the first weekend in september right for what for worlds in vermont it's, am i like yeah last weekend of august away? yeah that's insane that's so close yeah it's awesome oh my goodness yeah. i mean yeah i'm not complaining i'm yeah. more of you know i can't believe it eagle mcmahon chris and tatar those are my picks. I'm thinking 
I think if if Eagle plays, if Eagle does not play, it's tough because I kind of want to say Gannon Burr, but I don't think Gannon we're gonna Burr. have back to back winners of Gannon Burr and Kristen Tatar. No. And I Gannon Burr like my choice has never had back to back pro wins in the same season in his career. All right, any any tier. I'm not gonna lie, this might make him not come on the show, but I don't think this is the weekend that he's gonna change that stat. That that wasn't my cool Gannon Burr stat, which isn't that yeah. cool, but to incentivize him to come on, that was a is Kyle Klein back yet. Why? Why didn't you come on? He is back, and I believe his injury is doing better. Doing better. I don't 100 know, but yeah. it's really hard to follow pro injuries this, right now. This could be a I Kyle Klein he's doing kind better. of place. Ricky picking up a big win. Yeah, I was thinking that as well. Mm, I well, I'm tempted to go Ricky, but I I went Ricky two weeks in a row, and, and obviously it's so hard to pick MPO yeah. winners that I'm not going to go three weeks in a row. Not that he didn't disappoint, but of course he didn't win. All right. So my I, actual I, picks I'm going off of him. Yeah, Eagle McMahon, Chris and Tatar. If Eagle is not playing. Ricky Wysocki, Chris he Tatar. He signed up for it, so you know we'll see. He was out promoting his Ugh. new discs today, so we'll see if he puts him to work on the course. There, he might, he might be playing. I just thought he was hurt. There's, there's so many sneaky players here. Like I, I kind of want to pick AB. I kind of switch mine. I'm going AB. This is my AB and Kristen week. If Eagles not playing. I, I kind of want to go goose like Simon goose. has done well here, and it fits him great. It's mm-hmm. a thrower's course. He's a thrower. But I, I, I'm so close to pulling the trigger. I really want to go Cole Radalin. Cole I really Radalin. do. Dude, that's do like a, I like that's it. a bold Dude, That'd be worth pick. a lot of points if and, you got that right. That's a great pick. The way, the way with that MPO is right now, like where seemingly you just straight up cannot pick the winner. I, mm, I mean, let me, let me think about this. This is tough. Cause I don't like picking Ben picks and this is a Ben pick for sure. I pick Ben picks. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna go with it, but let me drop this cool stat. I've been right like uh, three times, maybe four. So yeah, so Emerson Keith wins OTB Open. What does he do at the next Elite event? Portland, Mrs. Mrs. Cash. Cash. So same yeah, with Adam, Adam Hammes. Oh, I guess yeah, Portland. There you go. Yeah, well, Portland, <laughs> Mrs. Cash at DDO. He Mrs. was dealing with an injury, Cash. but doesn't matter. Miss Cash. Um, Parker Wilk uh, plays the Portland Open. What happens at Des Moines? Mrs. Mrs. Cash. Cash. And Gannon Burr wins. Uh, Parker missed cash at Des Moines. Yeah, he also missed cash at Portland Open, which is the event before. And Gannon Burr missed cash at D- Dynamic Disc Wait, Open no. before winning oh, Des Moines Challenge. Yeah, yeah. So Parker went miss cash win miss cash yeah, okay, for elite okay, okay. events only. Um, and then Gannon went miss cash win. We'll see what he does at the preserve. I'm going to guess he makes cash, but wouldn't it be wild if he misses cash? Would be wild. I mean, now that he's not joining the show, maybe I'm rooting would for that. Be, oh, man. That's a, that's a joke. That's a joke, whoa, whoa, whoa. of course. He might oh, be doing the best for him. Take. We'll see. Yeah. Nope. Uh, okay. I'm, yeah. I'm going to go for it. Let's go Cole Radolin. My man. Let's All right, go. My turn. Yeah. All right. I, I'm not, I don't know why I haven't always had and to give these big, yeah. elaborate picks where he has to go through his, every single crevice in his mind to and talk about wh- exactly what he's thinking in that moment. Anyways, I'm just going to go Ben pick. I'm going to go Ezra Aderhold and Ella Hansen. Like I've, I'm picking her like she just needs to win. Uh, it's just in my gut. Um, yeah. Ezra Aderhold, Ella Hansen. If Ezra can keep it in the fairway, he's going to win. 
yeah also world. really quickly i do want to sure shout out he does at this golf course yeah right uh i want to shout out the double g craft jerky guys um i didn't realize tonight is the night that they were doing the premiere of the big distance oh, showcase that's why um, gannon couldn't come on for yeah so he was out there throwing bombs i think they did a clinic anyways uh, double g craft jerky their team has been incredible to us and we you know we absolutely love their product and matt i'm not gonna lie i'm probably gonna take some of this with me but um yeah i do want to shout out them they they've been doing incredible things they did the uscgc Uh, i'm sure on twitter or excuse me on instagram you've seen a lot of the albert tom uh post with that 700 foot bomb that he had out there so when this does release check it out they're awesome they do incredible job with the videos so check out the double g stuff when that's coming out it'll probably be through the disc golf pro tour but i know the double g team behind it is uh doing just a hell of a lot for it so yeah that video was sick for the usdgc one yeah it wasn't called that but that's how we're referring it to Uh, i'm stoked for this one they got an man they got every big thrower you could imagine and if they got the racing drone out they got it's being recorded excitement for jomez oh yeah i don't know if Mm -hmm. it's for jomez i'm not i think i saw i'm like 90 percent sure it's for jomez yeah but yeah, it's pretty sick yeah definitely a must watch once it comes out i'll uh really quick i'm just gonna call him out daniel hot take on that one luke humphreys and kona montgomery we'll see that's that'd be that's a ben pick daniel that's a ben pick yeah that's a big one so that is not a a ben pick i did pick a a lot last year but and a Ben pick isn't a bad pick. It's no. just a bold pick I get, of someone I, yeah, who I think I've hasn't won before the winner more than you guys combined. Often. Look, the picks the picks are over the year. You got to get somewhat consistent with them. Like it's it's not hard to not pick Kristen Tatar. Like that one it's, doesn't it's count. Just, it's easy yeah. to just Kristen pick Kristen Tatar. I think I have seven wins on the year. Yeah, Kristen doesn't count. Exactly. Tatar. And so then when it comes to the other division, <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit tougher. Or when you do have that player that just you know kind of comes out of nowhere, Cat Merch over at Jonesboro, and you know we see it throughout the year. But if you're a betting person, if we were put money on this, then I'm picking the two people who I do think are the best players to win this event. And that's not a knock to any of the other players. It's just kind of a statistical standpoint at that point so ben nothing from ganon he said my internet is so bad frowny face tear right. emoji let's let's try to get him on for next monday then yeah i well, i told him i told him evan wins. has a cool stat about you yeah. to oh my goodness you to come on that's hilarious and <laughs> no response so i don't think it's happening the, the stat isn't actually that cool and ganon probably could have done it in his head too, all right tell me and i'll text it to him after we're done no because that I, I gotta leave it for next week okay true if he comes on hopefully yeah. he wins well uh guys anything else to talk about tonight we've we ran through a lot we've got a crap ton of things happening in the suing department of disc golf which is hilarious to even put that all in one sentence matt's down at illinois right now obviously we want to wish the best of luck to his boys that are playing out there hopefully for safety but also incredible play um who knows maybe tanner i don't know if he's defending his title if he moved up divisions but maybe he goes back-to-back world championships maybe hunter think, takes on a world championship if one of them does we gotta get up. him on the show yeah i think he did think move up now that you said mj10 this year yeah. right and he won mj8 last year look dude one down you know minus one through five holes kids probably top yeah. 10 right now top five i don't know i think when i checked there's actually i think the leader was two down and there was like a million kids at two down yeah yeah uh two or one yeah so like so it's just there's no place? separation right now sick um yeah so we got that going on we've got people getting sued we've got companies getting sued we've got people getting yeah. 
you know, people, you know, pets are heads are falling off. If anyone gets Nick, that movie Nick, reference, your top not your top ninety two percent of John Tor is sixty nine percent. So wait, what? My top the amount of times you finish top ninety two. Oh, okay, sixty nine percent. Sixty nine. Sixty nine percent of the time it works every time. <laughs> so, um, but since twenty twenty, that number is seventy nine percent. So oh, that that includes less. a few of your uh, like twenty seventeen or you've you've your top ninety yeah. two percentage is better. Well, it's funny. I, the, the only reason I ever played events in twenty seventeen and twenty eighteen is because I you know had the opportunity to tour around with Paul for a little bit as my first year. I dude, I was like yeah, nine forty five rated. I mean, why not? I had yeah, the opportunity to go. I paid for the events and I got to play some really really sick courses. Twenty nineteen yeah. though, um, I played really well actually at MVP Open. That's still to this day one of my favorite tournaments that I've played was in twenty nineteen at MVP Open. That one was sick, yeah. but uh, dude, it's tough out there, man. It is tough to play consistent disc good disc golf out there. Yeah, look at players. I mean, Parker Welk, no cash to winning to no cash. It's just it's a wild game. But yeah. um, same's going on with me and MA too. Just no cash dude, to top yeah. five to no cash. I'll say this: this year has been a very weird and inconsistent year for me. Um, I've dropped below a thousand, went back up to a thousand, dropped below a thousand, and look, I, I don't look at a rating anymore. I you know try to win a tournament. I got fourth place at a tournament that had a lot of ad cash, and pretty much I made five hundred bucks to throw a frisbee for a day, and uh, that was pretty awesome. And so I'm just out here, got a lot of other things going on, but I still love playing disc golf, still love competing in tournaments, and obviously my goal is to win any tournament that I go and play that realistically I have a chance. But um, man, ton of cool stuff going on right now, and I can't I can't wait to kind of like unleash it all into the world because we've got some cool cool stuff going on. Especially head over to DiscoDG.com when you get the chance in the next week or two. Check us out. Got some awesome stuff. Code Nick and Matt actually has a 10% discount code. We've got new Ooh, polos. Let's go. Yeah, we've got new polos in stock. We've got, dude, probably like five or six different jerseys now. We've got towels. We've got socks. Dude, we've got hats. If you want a pretty blue hat like this, check it out. Blue's my favorite color. And the hat's actually wicked colorful. Oh, idea, Nick. You know how Puma has that like iconic P for golf? Okay. Just, just put a big D on there. <laughs> yeah, big D, but like in, kind of the same, kind of in the same style, just right in the middle. Yeah, right. I think that'd be cool. You know what all I'm right. saying? I I don't 100% know off the top of my head, but I'm sure. Oh, I'm, 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 I'm gonna pull up to for you. All right, you pull it off for me. Um, chat. Anything that we missed tonight? Let us know. We'll try to bang it out for Monday. But realistically, Ben, throw down that music. Throw it, throwing it down. In three, three. two. Oh, whoa. That was weird. Folks, thank you so much for tuning in tonight. I know there's so many things going on in disc golf right now. There's so many podcasts that are even live right now in disc golf. So if you're done with us, Tour Life is going on. We know that. Go check out Tour Life. They're probably hitting some things that we missed as well over here on the Nick and Matt show. So, oh yeah, I know I know that hat now. There you go. Anyways, Got thank you everybody for tuning in. Don't forget to like, comment, subscribe on the video. Definitely like it. It helps us out a ton. Tell all your friends about us. Subscribe to the channel so you'll know when we go live. We are going to be back on a consistent Monday schedule. Last couple of weeks have been a little hectic, I think, for everyone. Um, but we're going to get back there. Um, check out all of our sponsors that help us out on the show. Check out DiscaraDG.com, DG Maxwax, Double G Craft Jerky, Cosmic Disc Golf. This episode was presented by Cosmic Disc Golf. I think with a little mess up earlier, I forgot to say that. But Cosmic DG, bring you all your Cosmic needs. If you are a tournament director, definitely go check them out. But CosmicDG.com, we love them. They're incredible over there, and they help us out. Tell someone you love them this week. Catch you in the next one. Nick, you're awesome. Ben, you're awesome. Evan, you're awesome. Peace. See you.
the Nick and Matt Show, a disc golf podcast designed for you, the disc golfer. Find the Nick and Matt Show on your favorite podcast platforms or join the conversation live on YouTube. 